0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of The Real World. This is your host, Juan Paulo Sala, talking to you from the CITR station at UBC Point Grey Campus, located in the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Seletooth nations. This week, we have a very special episode for all of you, and that is the case because Lily and I will be going through our nominees. If we were the Oscars, who would we nominate for each of the categories? But... Apologize, I forgot to introduce her. I am here once again joined by the one and only, the incredible Lily Groh. Say hello, Lily. Hello. <laughs> Hell yes. Uh, so yeah, you know, as I said, uh, this week episode is all about the Oscars. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Oscars, but you know, sometimes the Oscars get it wrong. You know, sometimes the Oscars don't dominate the right movies from our perspective. Uh, so this week's episode is all about righting those wrongs, is all about us. If we were the Oscars... Who would we nominate for each of the different categories? Uh, So this is how it's going to work. We have decided to omit certain categories just for the fact, you know, first of all, for brevity's sake, because we don't want this show to be like three hours long. Uh, But second of all, because, you know, Lily and I just haven't watched that many live action short films or documentary short films this year, I'm afraid. (laughs) So um, So, oh, wait, Lily, I think, I think, I think you've been silenced all this time. (laughs) Hello. Not again. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Introduce yourself again, Lily.
1: Um, I'm Lily. (laughs) Hello.
0: I apologize. Uh, the wrong microphone was on. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, oopsie-daisy. <laughs> um, st- <laughs> anyway. Starting starting with the with the, with the right food forward. But yeah. um, yeah, no, the, the point is we're going to go through our Oscar nominees. We're not going to cover all different categories because we don't want the show to be three hours long, but also because we haven't seen, you know, that many movies in certain categories. So some of the categories that we will be omitting will be best live action short, best animated short film, best documentary short film, best sound, best makeup and hairstyling, best costume design, best original song and best documentary feature film. Those are the categories we won't be covering. That said, you know, there are definitely some worthy contenders for each of the for each of those categories. Costume design, for example, Black Panther Wakanda Forever would have been worthy. Avatar The Way of Water, you know, incredible costumes from Deborah L. Scott, who I interviewed in Taekwon, actually. Uh, No, she she killed it. Her costumes for Avatar The Way of Water were absolutely incredible. And there are so many nuances for doing costumes for a movie that is CGI. Because, you know, the costumes that she made for Avatar are costumes that are going to end up being realized, like, in, in a CG version, like, in a digital world. So... You know, talking to her about all the different nuances of creating those co- those costumes and making them first for real and then translating them into a CG world. Absolutely amazing. Deborah L. Scott, huge shout out to you and your work. You're absolutely incredible. And then Lily would <laughs> also listening. like to shout out, don't worry, darling. No, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, the costumes for don't worry, darling are pretty freaking good.
1: Yeah. Okay, well, I guess (laughs) not. I I wasn't going to put them in that category, (laughs) but yeah.
0: Okay, okay. I I think the costumes are don't worry, darling, we're good. Okay. (laughs) I haven't seen the movie, but from what I've seen, the costumes...
1: what are you even going on about? You have to watch it.
0: I've seen the costumes, okay, Lily? Uh, but uh, yeah, okay, so those are the categories that we will be omitting. Uh, that said, we will be covering 15 categories, you know, the other ones that we didn't mention. Uh, that said, you know, just a little caveat, uh, Lily and I are human, and we are UBC students. <laughs> we don't have infinite time, so of course, we didn't watch every single movie that came out in 2022. Uh, so if one of your favorites is not in one of your our categories, you know, maybe it's because we didn't include it, but it's also maybe because we didn't watch it, because yeah. once again, we are human. Um as for myself I watched uh how many movies did I watch last year here I watched 84 movies that came out in 2022 uh, I missed some of them like I haven't seen Sea Beast I haven't seen Causeway I haven't seen many other movies uh but I've seen 84 of them if you guys are interested in knowing which ones I've seen and which ones I haven't, no, no. follow me on Letterboxd, <laughs> Juan Pablo Sa, on Letterboxd, and you'll find one of the lists of all, all, all the movies I watched in 2022.
1: Self-shout-out. Nice. <laughs> Hell
0: yeah, you know, shameless plug. Um, but yeah, okay, so, you know, that's it for all the, the, the information that we need to give before we jump into the episode. Uh, so now we're going to start going through the different categories and going through our nominees. Oh, also the rules. This is how it's going to work. So Lily and I have come up with lists for who we think should be nominated for each of the categories. Uh, if there is any overlap in between Lily's list and mine, that overlap instantly goes into our definitive list. So by the end of the day, Lily and I will are going to come up with a single unified The Real World Film Sock list for all the nominees that we think should be nominated. And th- that list, of course, is going to be a you know a union of Lily's nominees and my nominees. So if there is any overlap, if there is any candidate that is repeated in Lily's list and in mine, that candidate goes instantly into the final list. If there is not overlap and there are still some spots available, Lily and I will be debating. We will be fighting to the death uh, <laughs> to see what nominee gets in. Um, do you agree with that, Lily?
1: Yeah, sound. It's only fair like that. Uh, yes,
0: yes. You might not leave the studio in one piece, but you know that's. Yeah, that's it is
1: way what goes it is. Oscar season.
0: Hell yes, uh, but okay. Now, uh, before we jump into our different categories, we are gonna go into our little musical break. And for music for this episode, Lily and I decided to make you guys listen <laughs> to the songs that are nominated for best <laughs> original song at this year's Academy Award. Uh, And we're going to start with the first song, which is Applause from the movie Tell It Like a Woman, which is music and lyrics by Diane Warren. Lily and I have no idea what the hell Tell It Like a Woman is.
1: Nope. (laughs) I'm excited to hear the song. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Me too. (laughs) Uh, But I mean, hey, that's the power of Diane Warren. She writes a song and it will get nominated, even if it is from a movie that no one has even heard of. (laughs) But yeah, anyways, uh, without further ado, here is Applause from Tell It Like a Woman
2: recognize who you are sometimes. Are you looking for ways to be a part of the community through low-stakes opportunities like volunteering? What about making friends that are really cool or have some common interests? Well, I'm here to tell you that at CITR, you can come volunteer at Volunteer Wednesdays, happening every other Wednesday from 12 to 3 with a really fun activity each time, like making signs or button making. Not only is it a great break from outside stress, but a great opportunity to be a part of the community. For more information, you can visit CITR's Instagram page at CITR and Discorder.
0: Welcome back to The Real World. This is your host, Don Sa, talking to you from the CITR station at UBC Point Grey Campus, located in the unceded territory of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tooth Nation. I hope you'll enjoy that musical break, but now it is time to jump into our main topic of the week, which is, if we were the Oscars, who would we nominate for each of the different categories? So, we will start with the first category that we will cover, which will be Best Original Score. Lily, do you want to begin by telling us your nominees, or should I begin by going through my top five? You start. Hell yeah. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) also, something I forgot to mention is... um, so, for those of you who don't know, each category has five nominees except for Best Picture, okay? So, we are going to come up with five nominees for each category, not four, not six, five, and then for Best Picture, we are coming up with <laughs> ten nominees, okay? it's Those are the mandatory amount, so, you know, that's what we're doing. We are playing by the Academy's rules. So... For best original score, these are the five nominees um, that I propose. These are the ones that I put forward. I will begin by saying that I am very saddened by the fact that I had to leave out two of my favorite scores of the year. Uh, First of all, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Such a beautiful, beautiful score that truly captures the, the, the poetic beauty of a fairy tale story. Incredible score. Absolutely love it. The music in that film is 10 out of 10, but there were just five other scores I had to put above it. And also, The Fablemans, a score from the one and only the great John Williams, one of the all-time best composers of all time. Uh, But yeah, once again, there are five scores that I would put above both of those scores. So, for me, my first nominee for best original score would be the score of All Quiet on the Western Front, which is composed by Volker Bertelmann. Okay. I am so sorry, Volker, if I mispronounce <laughs> your name. Uh have you seen O'Kaint on the Western Front Lily? No, I haven't. Okay, well it's 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 a very hunting, depressing war movie. Yeah. And I think the score is one of the main reasons why it is so hunting and depressing. The score mm-hmm. is is yeah, it's it's a score that is always present. It brings you down. There have there's like this weird sound that is like bah! like out of nowhere that just make it so much more intense. Uh, yeah, it really captures the intensity of war. It really accentuates the emotions and the stakes that we're watching on screen. It, it, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's an incredible, incredible score that I think perfectly captures the hecticness of fighting in World War One, And that's the main reason why it is one of my five nominees. Then my number four is actually the score of Nope by Michael Abel's. So, Nope, for those of you who don't know, that is the newest horror movie from writer and director Jordan Peele, who previously directed Get Out and Us. And the score for Nope, once again, composed by Michael Abels, I, whom I saw live <laughs> earlier last year. Um, yeah, he, he came to Vancouver for the Vancouver International Film Festival, and he actually, with the Vancouver Symphony Orchestra, he played pieces of music from his films, including pieces of music from Nope, and it was just an incredible experience. Michael Abel's absolute master and what I love the most about the score from Nope is you know just how he's able to blend different genres and sounds that we commonly associate with other genres of movies into this one incredible score like the score for Nope has like pieces of sci-fi music because you know okay spoiler alert aliens (laughs) in Nope. Uh, but yeah, it, it has like this sci-fi undertones. It also has this Western undertones because, you know, Nope takes place, you know, in the American West and there are cowboys and and, and horses. And, and yeah, it's like this weird blend between horror, mystery, thriller, sci-fi, Western, and it all comes together in this beautiful mishmash that is just absolutely incredible. I, I love the score for Nope. Now, my third score that I would nominate for best original score is the score from Woman Talking, uh, composed by Hildur Gudnadotir. I'm so sorry, Hildur. You're absolutely incredible. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Hildur Gudnadottir. Godanin- Godad- Godad- Hildur, for those of you who don't know, Hildur composed the score for Joker. And I, I that is generally one of the best scores I've ever listened to in my life. And her score for Women Talking is, once again, absolutely incredible. Uh, I don't love the movie, but the score is, without a doubt, a 10 out of 10. Now, my fourth nominee for Best Original Score is, of course, how can I leave it out? The score for The Batman by Michael Giacchino. Hell yeah. Michael Giacchino, absolutely incredible composer. For those of you who don't know, this is a guy who worked with Pixar for so many movies. He composed the iconic Op song, you know, you know, the, the... first 15 minutes of the movie when Carla and Ellie are living their life and growing old together. Mm -hmm. The beautiful score that made everyone cry. Okay, he composed it. He also composed The Incredibles, Inside Out, Ratatouille. Absolutely amazing composer. And with the Batman, he brings it. He freaking brings it. And you know, composing a score for for, for a Batman movie is not an easy task because so many talented composers have already done amazing work in this area. You know, you have Danny... Danny yeah, Dan- You have Danny Elfman, you know, composing music for Tim Burton's Batman movies. You have Hans Zimmer, the one and only Hans Zimmer, composing music for the Dark Knight trilogy. And now, Michael Giacchino just came in this space and wrote a score that is so different, but so unique and so authentically Batman. Like, I would generally go as far as to say that I think Michael Giacchino composed the single greatest Batman score I've ever listened to. Like, it's so iconic that first scene when Batman is walking out of the shadows and you just hear the... Bum, 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 bum. So good, Lily. So freaking good. <laughs> <laughs> you just don't get it. Yeah. And then my, my my fifth and final nominee for Best Original Score is... Uh, how how could I not nominate it? Of course, it's the score for Babylon. Okay, from okay. I
1: was waiting. Justin
0: nice. Horwitz. Uh, yeah, it's generally one of the best scores I've ever listened to. Ever in my life. You know, I, I listened to it this morning <laughs> as I was taking a shower. I listened to it when I was in my bike coming here to the radio station to record mm-hmm. this episode. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Lily, any thoughts on any of my five nominees?
1: Okay. I don't think I have seen the first three. Amazing. The Batman. I can I can see where you're coming from. Hell yeah. And then I we've talked about, we definitely agree on Babylon. So yeah, yeah.
0: What about you, Lily? Like what are your five nominees?
1: I don't know if these are, like, properly in order. <laughs> um, But, yeah, I don't know. It was a tough decision. I don't even know if I have an order. I'll just no I'll say them like they are here. They're not super intentional. But my first one I wrote down was the Babylon one. Hell yeah. I listen to it all the time. It's so magical. <laughs> brings you into the world that Manny and Nelly are in so perfectly. It just it's really beautiful it's matches kind of goes with the la, la land everyone loves that one as well I listen to this one all the time it's like my alarm for when I wake up every morning really? <laughs> Nelly and Manny's theme Aww. and it's just so cute like oh, I love that one and then I like how like they have these like different changes and then it's like the one where they go into the cave and it's like you can hear like their theme in it but, like, they just, like, layer on, like, all this, like, intense stuff, too, to kind of, like, give it a twist. Because, like, they're still there. But, like, they're going deeper and deeper into, like, this creepy world. And, like, they take the song and they give it that creepy twist. Like, you know, I, I love that. Hell yes. Very cool. Then I have um, Everything Everywhere All at Once. I really really like this one I was listening to it again recently and it's just so unique and so different than like so many of the scores that I've liked and I think I don't know that have made it to be nominated and stuff like that it's just got something so cool about it that is perfect for the movie in that like it's balancing so much chaotic energy but also the some of the songs are also very like grounding and like melancholy and sad and it's like you'd expect to feel like really so jumpy like going back and forth between those two feelings of such chaos and like you're on the verge of like in the song like some explosion is about to happen but then it also like drops back and like retreats into like something that really like settles you and then I think that's like the one that was nominated this is a life is very like slower and yeah so I think it's so cool how this this score like balances that and how well that goes with the movie because the movie is just something about life and love and relationships and things like that but it's also like the craziest shit i've ever seen Hell so yeah. <laughs> yeah i think that does a cool job of it um then i have banshees of mm-hmm. Sharon. i really like this one i don't really know i'm not familiar with the so this is carter burwell no idea um not too familiar i really liked it though i i score went cool with the pace of the movie just like has that mysterious vibe just like these like ding dings Mm. like slow kind of build up
0: hell yes i loved
1: it and then i just watched surprise i watched pinocchio you did yep oh i know i put it off for so long and i finally did and i put it in mine it didn't make it in yours so wow Um. look where we are Lily. tables have turned but mostly because i found out that it's alexander i don't know if it's like it's supposed to be like have a little french like twist on it <laughs> but it's like alexander display yes 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 and like this guy's like my biggest idol ever like i've never touched an instrument in my life but like i want to be him when i grow up <laughs> like he's amazing so he's done like little women which like mm-hmm. you know is like one yeah. of my all-time favorite favorites harry potter twilight oh, f- he's done like literally like the best of the best of the best so i'm like he needs to be here i
0: yeah yeah yeah,
1: yeah. and i did i really like what he did with pinocchio <laughs> as well but like i just like i guess i'm very biased like for this guy <laughs> like, yeah. i love um i've listened to like all of his all of those ones at least i guess he's done a few more that i haven't seen but yeah and then i like the film we'll get into that later because yes. i just watched it like last night i'm so. very
0: excited to talk about it
1: okay so I only have four.
0: Oh, yeah, that's that's <laughs>
1: cool.
0: <laughs> okay, so let's see. Uh, overlap, overlap. We have Babylon. Babylon. So Babylon moves right into our final list. Uh, now we need to decide what we do with the other four spaces. Okay. Um. So, how do we do this? <laughs> okay. Do
1: we... So three of them. Okay. So I haven't seen. So if you feel like really strongly about one of the three, that
0: I, I okay. So so you have four nominees. I have five nominees. So, yeah. so, should I just pick another one to go in and then we, we debate for the other three or, or... Sure. Okay. Sure. I'm picking the Batman, baby. Yeah, yeah, I'll take that. Batman's going into the final list because that's an incredible <laughs> freaking score. Okay. But okay, now we have to pick in between the score for Women Talking, Nope, and All Quiet on the Western Front, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Banshees of Anisharian, and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Good freaking list. Good freaking list. Um... I mean I will say in regards to the everything, everywhere all at once score and the same for the Banshees of Anisharian, beautiful pieces of music. Absolutely love them. Incredible, incredible music. I just I just never felt like the score was doing like something like like really that new. Like I felt like the music was like very well accompanying what we were seeing and accompanying the action and you know, when a sad moment happened the score went sad and then, you know, when a, when a when a deep moment happened the score went deep. Uh, but I, I, never felt like I'm like holy shit, like this is doing like some some weird new things with like the the medium of music itself. Pinoc- okay. Pinocchio, I, 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 do see it doing that though. So, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be very happy with Pinocchio joining the list. I see what you
1: saying with Banshees. Like I'm okay to mm. leave that one, okay. if you think. But I thought everything, everywhere, all at once. Like I thought it was, it was new. Like,
0: yeah. I mean, maybe may, maybe maybe I just didn't hear it. Maybe I need to <laughs> give it another listen. <laughs> but uh, okay, so let's do this. Let's let's move everything ever all at once, and Pinocchio into okay. the final list. So then that that brings us to Babylon, the Batman, everything ever all at once, and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. And now we have oh, nice. one final space. Oh, oh this is tough. To this is tough. I, 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 I think. All quiet on the Western Front. It would be a tragedy if we don't include it. Okay. <laughs> I think what what Volker Bertelmann did in that film, and yeah, the way he accentuated war, and once again, the very baad, like <laughs> it's, it's just it it crawls under your skin and it makes you feel uneasy and 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 anxious in you know just like people in Warfeld. It, it just absolutely incredible score. But oh, women women talking hurts. But you know. That's fine. That's fine. We need space for Twilight Boy. We need space for (laughs) it. No, yeah. That guy
1: always needs
0: to get in. So, okay. So our nominees for Best Original Score are Justin Hurwitz for Babylon, Michael Giacchino for The Batman, Volker Bertelmann for All Quiet on the Western Front, uh, the composer for Everything Everywhere All at Once, who I'm forgetting at the moment, and Alexander Desplat for Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. I think that went well. Hell yeah. Yeah. There's there's some good five nominees. now. Moving on, best animated feature. Um, Do you want to begin this time?
1: I'll begin because I only saw three animated. (laughs) 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 Amazing. Last year. Um, I don't know why, but um, I put two of them in. (laughs) So that's all I have to offer.
0: (laughs) What happened with the third one? Oh, the third one was Minions. Yeah, (laughs) I, I get it. I get it. Makes sense, though.
1: I mean, like, I'll put it in if you want. No, like... no, don't
0: don't put in Minions, <laughs> please.
1: Okay, so I only have two, and they are Marcel the Shell. Uh-huh. And this was, like, made it, I don't know, top five, top six, maybe? I don't know, on just, like, my favorite of 2022. So I just think it was, Uh uh-huh. obviously, it's not like I had many options with pick from but that's okay (laughs) I really like this one and then Pinocchio so those are all I have to offer for this
0: now tell me what you thought about Pinocchio Lily we haven't talked about it
1: I really well like so the animation is just so cool like I just yeah I don't really watch I haven't really seen that many animation but like all of the details I guess we were talking about this recently with like what you're working on um but like all of the details like you just look closely bring yourself closer to the screen you're like oh my gosh like there are so many tiny things like you would never even notice that are like put into this world. And I can't even imagine like how much like how close attention they have to pay for. Like, it's incredible. All of the it's the intricacies. Um, yeah.
0: Hell yeah. Well, I I completely agree with everything you said about uh, (laughs) Marcel the Shell with Shoes On and Guillermo del Toros Pinocchio. Uh, I do have five nominees, and both of your nominees are within my five nominees. So I'm guessing we'll just go with my five. (laughs) Yeah,
1: so what are your... Uh,
0: So my number five is Apollo 10 and a Half, A Space Age Childhood, which is the newest rotoscoped animated film from director Richard Linklater, who did the Before Trilogy, Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, and Before Midnight. Mm -hmm. Uh, Three of my favorite romance, like, love movies I've ever seen in my life they made me cry so much um Richard Linklater also directed Boyhood which is an incredible feat of cinema where you know he he shot a film in the in the time span of 14 years Mm -hmm. uh he also directed Waking Life which is an incredible rotoscoped animation that I would highly recommend um and this film Apollo 10 and a half is once again another rotoscoped animation and it is very much a slice a slice a slice A slice of life film (laughs) about the director Richard Linklater growing up in America, like, you know, in the 60s, in the time of the space race, you know, when, you know, people were trying to get to space, NASA was trying to get to the moon. And it's it's an incredible film that in a way it feels this film feels like a time capsule. It feels like you just opened up a box from the 1960s and you're like trying to figure out how these people lived. Uh, it's a beautiful film. I really, really like it. I don't love it. I have some small issues with it, but I, I, I do think it's a great film, so that's my number five. Then my number four is Pixar's Turning Red. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pixar has had some rough couple of years, I guess, for the past couple of years. Some of their movies haven't been the greatest. <laughs> Light year. <laughs> uh, but apart from that, I, I do think Turning Red is like one of their strongest films in recent years. I, I love Turning Red. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful film. I applaud Pixar for trying something new trying to blend together the Pixar aesthetic and Pixar storytelling with, like, anime sensibilities and, like, highly expressive emotions and characters who are very expressive and very emotional. And I think it's a story that has, you know, a lot of subtext. You know, I'm, I'm not a woman. Maybe Lily could have a different experience watching this. But, you know, this movie is about a, a woman growing up in Toronto in the 2000s and, you know, yeah, becoming adolescent and, and growing up and becoming a woman. And, you know, it's... It's not hard to see what the red panda symbolizes. Like, you know, it's it's a red panda after all. Um, but it's a very beautiful story with some mm. great symbolism, some great action scenes. And I think the third act of Turning Red is absolutely insane. It's like bonkers. It's like anime levels insane of like a giant animal, kaiju thing, laser beams, people singing. Like it, it's it, astral realms and like spirits. It, it, I, I love it. I love the ending of Turning Red. Uh, beautiful film. I do think it's one of Disney's best in the past couple of years. Um, love it. Now, my number three is Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. A film that has no business being as good as it is. <laughs> I went into Puss in Boots with like the lowest expectations ever. Yeah. I don't know. Have you seen the previous Puss in Boots film? No. It's it's like fine. It's like okay. <laughs> and like the Shrek films were absolute masterpieces. Shrek 1 and 2, mwah, love them. 10 out of 10. Incredible, incredible movies. Shrek, th- Shrek the Third, we don't talk about that one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and sure, Shrek Forever After, it's, like, fine. And then Puss in Boots was, like, fine, but, you know, not great. So I, I went into this one expecting, like, you know, like, more of the same. But no, bo- boy, no. Uh, Puss in Boots The Last Wish is an incredible script with some of the best action I saw in the entire year. Uh, this movie's animated in a style similar to the one of Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. The animation is incredible. Yeah, the visuals are read. crisp. And it's also one of the few animated movies we've had in recent years with an absolute banger villain. You know, I-, I was telling Lily about this the other day on the bus. Yeah, <laughs> but what was the... There are three villains in this movie, and they are all absolutely incredible. You know, Jack Horner, freaking Goldilocks, played by Florence Pugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and the three bears. And then also Death, genuinely. Death, you know, the-, the the wolf who's Death, one of the greatest villains in animated movies ever. I absolutely love Puss in Boots, Last Wish. Incredible, incredible wow.
2: movie.
0: Um, then my number two, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. You know, we've talked enough about this film. Right. Absolutely beautiful. It is a movie that is deceptively simple. It is a movie that is small in size, but big in heart. Mm. Um, it makes you feel, you know, it's it's a simple story, but it, it, it really hits you where it's worth. And then Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. What, what else can I say about this movie? I, I I love Del Toro. One of my favorite directors of all time. Uh, the Pinocchio story has so much potential and We're going to talk about the Pinocchio story in a future category, Uh, maybe best adapted screenplay, maybe, maybe. Uh, But yeah, what Guillermo del Toro did with the Pinocchio story, the way he transformed it, the way he shaped it into this movie, it's just, it's just incredible.
1: It is. Yeah. He, was it, he felt connected to it as a child, I heard, like I was reading that. That's pretty cool. Like the personal connection just reminded me of like what we're doing with the series of things that shaped us and how, I don't know, saw himself in the story. And then w- brought it to life in his own way. That's what I was reading up about it. And like, yeah, it's like very emotional. I, I it took me by surprise. It's very sweet, like the connection that the two Pinocchio and what's the main guy's name? Geppetto. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Their connection. Like it's very sweet. Yeah, I yeah. liked it a lot.
0: What what do you think of the fascists? What was your reaction when you saw that Mussolini was a character in the film?
1: That's <laughs> <laughs> funny when I well. I thought it was funny when all of like the little kids Well, actually, it's not funny at all <laughs> 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 Never oh, mind, Lily. it wasn't actually funny But um, that was an interesting scene But the way that he bonded with one of the boys That
0: part was funny, Yeah. N- nothing else Because fascism is not funny <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Came uh, out wrong
0: Yeah, no, uh, absolutely incredible movie I-, I love it so, so much Also, by the way, fun fact do you know who plays the monkey in Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio? Spasatura, the the, the monkey. I,
1: isn't it Blanche?
0: It's freaking Kate Blanchett.
1: Can it's you, a weird cast. I was can looking you at, that? and then isn't like Finn Wolfhart? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And then who else was
0: Tilda weird? Swinton is like with death and like the wood spirit. It's like no, the, the cast is packed. But dude, the fact that they brought in Kate <laughs> Blanchett <laughs> to, to make monkey noises. <laughs> Like she doesn't even speak. She, like not
1: a single <laughs> like actual word. It's
0: not a talking monkey. It's no. just
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you know the story of how that came to be? Mm, no. Apparently Guillermo el Toro was working on Nightmare Alley with Kate Blanchett, and Kate Blanchett had such a good time working with Guillermo el Toro that she was like, dude, Guillermo, you gotta cast me in whatever you do next. I don't I don't care. Like I, I genuinely don't care. Her? And Del Toro told her, like, Kate, I would love to cast you, but you know we've we are almost done with casting. Like we've already casted every single character for <laughs> Pinocchio, except for this one monkey. And Kate Blanchett was like, "Fine, I'll be the monkey. I don't care. I just want to work with you again." And she's the monkey.
1: <laughs> okay, I love that.
0: <laughs> uh, so yeah, you know uh, she's she's here as the monkey, and she, you know she's you got
1: range. We're gonna
0: talk about her later today <laughs> in Tar for yeah. performers in Tar. But okay. Our five nominees for Best Animated Feature are Apollo 10 and a Half: A Space Age Childhood, Turning Red, Puss in Boots: The Last Wish, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, and Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Okay, moving on to our third category, Best Visual Effects. I'll be I'll be quick in this one because you know we don't have we don't we're kind of running out of time. But uh, <laughs> um, you know, uh, okay. So my five nominees for Best Visual Effects are first of all, nope, absolutely incredible visual effects when they show the. Okay, kind of spoilers for Nope, but when they show the creature at the end, it is so new, so inno- inno- innovative, innovative, innovative. Yeah, yeah, It's so innovative, it's so unlike anything I've seen before. I absolutely loved it. I thought the visual effects in Nope were absolutely incredible. Uh number four, the Batman. The visual effects in the Batman were so freaking good that it's honestly hard to realize what is a visual effect and what is not. And I've seen some of the VFX breakdowns and it is it is just jaw-dropping. It is just absolutely incredible. Uh, Number three is Top Gun Maverick for similar reasons as to the Batman. Uh, The visual effects in Top Gun Maverick are so good, they're just invisible. You just don't notice them, you don't see them, but they're so freaking good. Um, And then my number two nominee for best visual effects is actually Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, and the reason why I'm nominating it is because, yes, first of all, the visual effects in Everything Everywhere All At Once are absolutely incredible. But second of all, the visual effects in this film were made by like a crew of five people. Yeah. Like It's it's like a diminute, minuscule crew that just worked day and night throughout the pandemic in order to get this effects done. So mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, you deserve it. <laughs> Whoever you five people are, you guys deserve it. Yeah. Uh, and then my number one nominee for best visual effects, it is... In all honesty, like from the bottom of my heart, being completely serious, I think it is the best visual effects I've ever seen in my life, like ever. And that is, of course, Avatar The Way of Water. The technology that James Cameron and his team created for this film in order to shoot the motion capture under freaking water, they shot motion capture underwater and it looks beautiful. Like if you just watch the film and you just focus on every single strand of hair while the navis are underwater swimming, it's incredible. The fish, the whales, the lights, the refractions, oh my god, the caustics, which for those of you who don't know, caustics is like, you know, the way light interacts with the surface of the water, you know, how some of it refracts, some of it reflects, and it creates like this beautiful, beautiful shapes, all of that, oh my god, the way they recreated it for this film, absolutely incredible, I, I-, I genuinely think it's the best VFX I've ever seen in my life. If this film doesn't win Best VFX, I, I will. Storm out. I will kill it's somebody. I, I apologize, Adam, but I will kill somebody.
1: <laughs> I okay. Uh, I haven't seen it, but I'm going to put it in my nominations anyway. You better. Because I feel like it. And I've seen clips and. Good. From. I'm very convinced. It so was a very convincing, one. Like, very good job. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so I'll put it in my number four since I haven't seen it because. Everyone, that hell really yeah. makes sense <laughs> and then i just have top gun
0: uh, I hell yeah lily
1: and then the batman in my number one like that's all i've got for this one i wasn't i guess everything everywhere all at once i like agree with you on that but Perfect. these are those are the ones that like stood out i guess i wrote them down very seamless as you were talking about
0: hell yeah okay do you have any objections against nope or should we move nope along with the group we do have f-
1: we have another option?
0: We have, yeah. Well, there are many. Yeah, you, you, you can vote for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> we have Avatar: The Way of Water, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Top Gun: Maverick, and the Batman. We're missing a fifth spot, which I I argue should be Nope. But I, I don't know if you have any other option. Do you want to argue for Black Panther: Wakanda Forever? <laughs>
1: no you can you can do nope
0: hell yes five out of five baby <laughs> yeah. no don't worry lily i'll remember this i'll remember start, this in like, future categories in. <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah uh, but okay best production design you know this one that's let's, let's also try to be quick in this one but um okay so you know production design once again is like sets set buildings like what movie was was had the best miss and send like everything that's in the frame everything that's miss in the scene send. hell yes, yes. Uh, you know, what movie was better at recreating a specific time period, a specific mood, a specific place, a specific moment? And do you want to start with your five nominees? Really? Yeah,
1: I'm going to start with Don't Worry Darling. Oh! For their... <laughs> the Hell interior yeah. design of the house. I liked it. I'm glad. Um, so there. Next, yeah, I don't really want to talk about that movie like too much because I think like the whole thing was just, I liked the house and this might be the only one that you know I'm gonna from, put it in for, so. from what
0: i've seen they also recreated like the 50s aesthetic like you know yeah, it's, yeah like the cars like the
1: 50s interior okay yeah the cars as well and then just like it's kind of this roundabout of houses mm. and like it's very like symmetrical and trimmed and manicured and obviously that goes along with like this perfect world and so it's very clean and they sh- it shines through with like the way when they have those shots where it's the whole kind of roundabout showing of where all of them live and all of like these perfect little houses with their perfect little cars um and then the insides of the houses are very beautiful hell yeah um next okay these are out of order (laughs) actually i'm gonna say white noise whoa here we go (laughs) It's not high up for me, but I'm also, like, obsessed with, like, all of the colors I've talked about. Like, I was just, like, visually, I think, is what kept me going throughout this long movie that is confusing and just kind of a little bit weird. Is A little bit? I I was able to kind of stay drawn into it because of the way that it was designed. I love the colors. The grocery store, like, is so cool. They keep kind of circling back to that spot, and it's just, like i don't even know how to describe it like just perfect like everything about it i i like it it was very like visually like aesthetic yeah next babylon hell yes i love it i love when like they're in the field like filming yeah those are like yeah The it's insane i like that um and then i also have Elvis for
0: this one. Ooh, okay this is gonna be this is gonna be funky so you only have four nominees you don't yeah. have a fifth one yeah. okay
1: cool you, don't have a fifth one? <laughs> you go you go <laughs> I'll,
0: I'll, I'll just comment very quickly about your nominees don't worry darling haven't seen the movie but from what I've seen about the production design it does look top tier absolutely incredible um so I wouldn't be Thank opposed you. to Thank that you. one white noise I hate the movie I, I don't like the movie but the production design was absolutely incredible I I I you know hands down Absolutely amazing production design, you know, brings me to mind, yes, the supermarket scene, also there's the scene where, where, like, you know, uh, um, the main family is, like, escaping in the car, and they go past, like, a train, and it's, like, each train car has, like, a different scene, and there's something happening, and there's, like, broken and explosion and dead people, and, and it's, like, very intricately placed and very well choreographed, I... Yeah, that set was absolutely breathtaking. The supermarket was breathtaking. The colors were breathtaking. The classroom were, were Adam yeah, Driver. Yeah, like where
1: he's being the professor, yeah, like, yeah. and they're kind of getting this, like, a round yeah. room, like, the way, that like, like, just the room is shaped and, like, what's, yeah. I agree. It's all it feels very intentional it feels I like it a lot okay'm I'm, I'm very glad that you said this. I know
0: I'm I'm you know I, I I give I give props when it's due you know I, I give credits when it's due yeah, I I yeah. don't I don't love the movie it frustrated me a lot and it, I don't think I'll nominate it for anything else but for best production design I think it makes sense okay uh Babylon well, I'll talk about Babylon in a second and then Elvis I didn't include Elvis but it's I it, it's it's one of my honorable mentions that I wish I could have included. But, okay, my five nominees for Best Production Design. Uh, my first one is actually a bit outside the box. Like, you wouldn't associate this with production design, but I would argue Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio had absolutely incredible production design. Like, when you think of production design, you think of, like, yes, making a yeah, set. Yeah, yeah. You know, but when you make a set, like, for a live-action film... Like, yes, you have control about what is in your set, but you don't have that much control. Like, you know, if if, if you want a mountain here in the middle of nowhere, you, can just, you can't just create a mountain. Yeah. You know, you, you have to work with what you have. But with stop-motion animation, you literally have control over every single centimeter of the set. You want a tree? You build the tree. You want a mountain? You build the mountain. You want the moon to be bigger? You make the moon to be bigger. And it, once again, the attention to detail that you just highlighted when you talked about Pinocchio all of that it in the set like you know you see every single line every single wood carving every single detail the stones it's it's absolutely beautiful i think the sets in Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio are absolutely breathtaking and the fact that they're miniatures shouldn't turn anyone away from voting for them for best production design okay um then my number 4 is the batman uh you know i've talked about this before but i generally think this movie 2022's the batman is the movie that Best captured what Gotham truly is like. Ooh, like Gotham okay. is meant to be the sesting pool for villainy and crime. And in the previous Batman movies, like yes, Gotham has been cool. Like, you know, in Tim Burton's Batman movies, Gotham was cool. In in Christopher Nolan's Batman movies, which I adore Christopher Nolan, his his Gotham was great, but you know, Christopher Nolan's Batman movie was just like what, Chicago? Like it was just Chicago or New York and then no, freaking tim burton's gotham was like yeah it was very nice and very expressionistic but it never felt like a real city but here the gotham that they give us in mad reeve's batman it 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 truly feels like yeah i could see how this city could be a cesspit pool for crime and villainy it's always raining it's always dark it's grimy slimy there's there's trash everywhere there's trash bags everywhere there's graffiti everywhere the lights are not working it's just Absolutely perfect atmosphere. It's all cluttered. It's claustrophobic. There's a scene where the characters are like in in what should be like you know like the main street of Gotham City, and it's just full of billboards and, and 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 capitalism and people trying to sell you stuff and then poor people on the street and you you see the social disparity. You see the the rain. You see the misery. You see incredible. I I I I love the production design for the Batman. Then my number three is Glass Onion, a Knives out mystery. You know, and just like I did with White Noise, I invite you to do the same because I know you don't love Glass Onion, but I think the production design for Glass Onion is absolutely stellar. Like the whole movie takes place in this one island and I think the whole set of the island, it is just produced to a T. You have the giant literal glass onion in the top of the building. You have the different rooms, which each represent, represents like a different chakra. And like each for a different character. You have the color coordination. You have that beautiful like main room with all the glass sculptures where the Mona Lisa is. It's... I, I generally think it's like a gorgeous, breathtaking set. And like even the study at the top of the glass onion where Edward Norton keeps like, you know, the, the real napkin like behind the, 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 the picture frame... Like you have Spoiler. the like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you have like that beautiful centerpiece that is like this this octagon that has like all of this forms and geometrics inside of it, and it's. I think it perfectly captures what glass onion is like, and I think it's a breathtaking, breathtaking set. But you know, we'll see, we'll see what we do. Okay. Um, number two, I have All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, I I love the sets of All Quiet on the Western Front. You know that that recreating war is not easy, and you know for this movie they built. So many trenches, like, so many yeah. freaking trenches and dead people and, like, bomb explosions and, like, there's skulls everywhere and blood and water and it's grimy and it's slimy and it's muddy and it's war. It's it's disgusting, but it's, it's from an art, artistic perspective, absolutely incredible. And then my number one, my favorite production design of the year is, of course, Babylon. I, I freaking love the production design of Babylon. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that, that one scene where, like, they finally get into the studio and you see, like, the different mini-sets where they're filming their yeah. independent silent films and yeah. it's, like, a one-take and it's huge and it's big and the sets are incredible and it's... Uh, oh, my God. The production design for Babylon is just breathtaking. So, okay. I guess uh, the one movie that goes straight into our final list is Babylon.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> the biggest Babylon fans.
0: Hell, yeah. And now, let's see. How do we do this? Okay. I vote... You pick two from your list, I pick two from my list, to pass on to the final, and then we fight for the final spot. Does that sound good, or...?
1: Okay. Wait, but Babylon's already in.
0: Yeah, yeah, so you pick two others. No, because Babylon wasn't both of us. Okay. So I will pick, um, I will pick the Batman and Glass Onion. (laughs) Because I know Lily's not gonna... I, <laughs> I, I, know, I know Lily's not gonna accept if we fight for Glass Onion. So I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm sa- sending Glass Onion straight to the finals. And I, I'm the Batman, because it's incredible. And the reason why I'm not saving All Quiet on the Western Front is because even though, yes, the trenches are incredible, it's incredible, it is production design that we've seen before. Like, we've seen 1917. We've seen Saving Private Ryan. We've seen trenches. We know how war looks like. Like, it's... Like, the production design for the Batman, it's, once again, it's the best Gotham I've ever seen. But, you know, all quite on the Western Front, it is some incredible trenches. But it's not the best trenches I've ever... We, I've seen trenches before. <laughs> they'll, okay. they'll look pretty much the same. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's the main reason. What about you, Lily? Then what, what?
1: I want <laughs> White Noise and... Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, so I have Elvis and Don't Worry Darling left.
0: Uh-huh. Oh wait, yeah, you're right. Oh, you were complete. Babylon is already in, so yeah. You-
1: <laughs> I tried to bring it up, but <laughs> you weren't interested, so I was ready to move on. Listen, we're gonna accept the fact
0: that I'm a film student. Okay, don't judge me. Oh damn, dude. we're
1: gonna let it slide though. It's okay. So we, do you want to just each put two in?
0: Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. You know, although if if you have like a change of heart and you want to like include. Pinocchio, or, or or something else. Go ahead, like you do. You do whatever you want. But white noise, I agree. White noise white is noise. a is a great nomination. And like Elvis, I wouldn't be opposed. Like it, Elvis, they they do recreate some famous like scenery from Elvis's life. And don't worry, darling. Once again, I haven't seen it, but the sets the sets look beautiful.
1: Oh my gosh! But I also I see what you're talking about with Pinocchio as well uh-huh Ugh, okay i think pinocchio
2: oh
0: hell yeah i i uh, thank you, you hopefully Lily. i
1: don't regret that later
0: no you won't i'll I, in fact i'll remember this okay. for when we're in future categories okay so our five nominees for best production design are babylon White Noise, Glass Onion, and A Knives Out Mister. I'm so happy that one's <laughs> knocking. The I, Batman and Guillermo Toro's Pinocchio. Like,
1: what even? It's like, I'm trying to think, and I'm like, ugh, I can't think of what, like, stood out from a...
0: It's, it's modern... It just, like... You know, it's it's easy it's easy for a movie to land a best production design nomination when you're doing like set pieces when you're like, oh, I'm recreating the '50s or I'm recreating the '30s because it's very easy to be like, oh yeah, you did recreate the, the '30s or the '50s. But it is very unusual for a movie with modern production design to make it into best production design. Mm. But I so because yeah because you know we live in modern times, so it it can be kind of invisible like you can be yeah, like oh yeah. it just you looks like a normal it much, house but. Yeah. But, you know, the the color coding, the coordination, the, 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 the subtext, the subtleties. And, you know, uh, Glass Onion is a murder mystery. And I feel like they used the locales from that location to perfection to accentuate the story. You have that incredible shot after um, Janelle Monet's character gets shot. And then uh, Daniel Craig is just standing on top of the body. And you just see that panning shot where you see each character standing, like, on top of a different pillar with, like, this gorgeous, huge staircase. It's 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 an insane location. It's like, I generally think, like, whoever found this house in this remote island, like, th- that that's a gift from production design heavens. Like, that's an incredible freaking set. Anyways.
1: Okay. <laughs> okay. Fine.
0: <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Moving
1: on. We're flying through.
0: Yes. Best international feature film.
1: International. Okay.
0: After this one, we'll go into another musical break. Okay, cool. So, did I begin last time or did you begin last time?
1: I think I did
0: okay so I'll begin I'll begin for best international feature film okay uh, this should be fairly easy though uh, there's one film that I'm very sad I I didn't uh, include which is close I thought close was absolutely beautiful uh, it's from Belgium it's a beautiful a24 movie about like a friendship that grows apart and it ends up being very sad but mm. I, I loved it incredible incredible movie but my five nominees for best international feature films number five all quiet on the Western Front absolutely incredible war movie. Number four, Triangle of Sadness. It's uh, it's, it's an incredible movie. What, what can I say? We've talked about Triangle of Sadness before. It's inside Lily's top 10 movies of the year. And I'm sure Lily's going to say more about it when I yeah. pass it on to her. So I'll I'll leave it at that. Um, number three, Broker. I love Broker. Uh, Hirokazu Koreida, I think that's the name of the director. Uh, South Korean director. And I thought Broker was just so subtle. It's, 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 yeah, it's once again, just like Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. It's a movie that is very deceptively simple. Like, you you think it's simple, you think it's subtle, but the film is actually touching on some very deep philosophical problems and and concepts and, you know, the idea of family and, you know, found family versus biological family. It's a beautiful movie that made me cry so many freaking times. Then number two, Argentina, 1985. Dude, hell yeah. Let's go, Latino people. Um, Argentina, 1985 was just an incredible courtroom drama. I don't know if you know this about myself, Lily, but I'm a sucker for courtroom dramas. Like, okay. I freaking <laughs> love a good courtroom drama because you know, there. I've said this before in the show, but for me, the single most important thing about a movie is the script, is the story. Like, yeah, visuals are very important, music is very important, CGI is very important, acting is very important. But if you don't have a good script, if you don't have a good story, then then, then you're screwed. You're you're fucked. Uh, sorry, Adam, but mm-hmm. but it is what it is. Yeah, <laughs> and you know if. if if you have a great courtroom drama the script is going to be amazing because the lines of dialogue are going to be amazing and there's nothing better than the seeing these different people with different philosophical ideals just fighting and verbally and it's oh my god it's so intense i love courtroom dramas i love aaron sorkin's films uh the trial of chicago 7 i love uh uh freaking witness for the prosecution uh i'm blanking on so many more but i i do love courtroom dramas i swear and yeah argentina 1985 is another incredible courtroom drama this time coming from latin america which makes me very proud i love that movie and then my number one uh the film that i would vote for best international feature film is decision to leave decision to leave is just yes an absolutely incredible movie
1: and it was completely not given the attention it deserved
0: it was so snubbed but okay lily what are what are your five
1: I have what, your three, three I guess. right <laughs> now. <laughs> I guess. Um, I have okay, not even really in particular order because like I just like adore <laughs> all three of these. I have broker. I watched that one more recently. I love the story. I watched it with my sister, which was like Aww. a really nice experience. Um, we've also like grown up with um foster siblings in the house, like basic almost my whole life. And so it was really interesting to see the story play out about like chosen families and biological families and like there's kind of one line that kind of tied it all together for me something about like making them realize that it wasn't because she didn't love her baby I guess and like she came back for the baby and it didn't have to do with love but just circumstance of like why she was having a hard time this mother um And so I thought that was really beautiful, the way they talked about that. And then also just the story of, like, these kind of, like, mismatched people, like, coming together. How can you not, like, melt at those types of stories? And you can see, like, all of them have these, like, different connections to each other and, like, who's taking on this, like, paternal role and, like, the young, like, the little comedian guy, like, and, like, the way they all interact (laughs) with each other to form this family together, like, through this journey searching for family. But, like, along the way, they had each other and, yeah. Yeah. It was really, really sweet. I liked it a lot.
0: Completely agree.
1: Um, and then I have Triangle of Sadness. Loved the movie. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> it was weird little dark comedy type thing. I've talked about it. A little, I feel like enough. <laughs> we we both really liked it. And then I also have Decision to Leave.
0: Hell yeah! Okay, so um, I guess we'll go with. With my five, which includes your three. Yeah. So our five nominees for Best International Feature Film are Decision to Leave, Broker, Triangle of Sadness, Argentina 1985, and All Quiet on the Western Front. So good. Now we're going to go into our little musical break, but, bef- uh, and, you know, when we come back for musical break, we will talk about the next categories, starting with Best Film Editing. But okay. Uh Here is the song, but oh, okay. Okay. So we're playing another song that is nominated for best original song at this year's Oscars. Uh, We just played applause from Diane Warren from the movie Tell It Like a Woman, which is Lily's favorite movie of 2022. Um, (laughs) I'm kidding. We haven't even seen it. (laughs) uh, And now we are going to play, of course, Hold My Hand by Lady Gaga from the masterpiece that is Top Gun Maverick. And here it is. to get a reliable and affordable used bike, need a repair or service to your current ride. Come to the Bike Kitchen, UBC's full-service community bike shop, located in room 36 of the UBC Life building. Our hours are Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. If you buy a bike from us, bring it back when you're done using it and we'll give you half of your money back as long as you took care of it. If it needs repairs, we'll split the cost with you. Yep, you heard us right. We'll give you crisp dollar bills for half the original price of any
1: used bike that you buy from us, minus the cost of repairs.
0: For more information about our buyback policy and to stay up to date on any COVID-19-inspired changes, find
2: us online at thebikekitchen.com. CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver <laughs> <coughs> yep
1: yep yep radio. Radio. radio 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 yep 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 oh oh
2: happy 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 boing 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 boing, 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 boing.
0: Welcome back to The Real World. This is your host, Tom Paloza, talking to you from CITR 101.9 FM Vancouver. I hope you'll enjoy that musical break and that incredible ad that we played yeah, <laughs> before uh, jumping that back note, in. <laughs> it
1: really sets us up.
0: Hell yeah. Uh, but okay, it's now time to move on to our last 10 categories for who we would nominate for the Oscars if we were the Academy uh, so, the next category we're going to talk about is Best Film Editing. So, Lily, do you want to start with your nominees for Best Film Editing?
1: I only wanted to put two in for this one. First, I have Everything Everywhere All at Once. Hell and yes. second, I have Decision to Leave. Decision yes. to Leave is like my number one out of two. But um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was like one of my actual favorite parts of the film itself. Like the I've talked. the pace is just so cool, how it builds up. Yeah, what do you think?
0: I completely agree. My number my number 1 is Everything every All at Once. My number 2 is also Decision to Leave. The editing of that movie is absolutely insane. The use of montage that Park Chan-wook employed in this movie is just bonkers. Uh then I also have Top Gun Maverick because you know for those of you who don't know like uh the the amount of raw footage that the editors got for Top Gun Maverick is like over 4 four uh, what? Yeah, they got, like, over 12 hours of raw footage, of just aerial footage. Oh, <laughs> So then the whole task of getting 12 hours and bringing it down into an absolute banger of a movie, I, I think that's worth something.
1: Okay.
0: Uh, so, yeah, Top Gun Maverick is also one of my nominees. Then I also have editing. That- <laughs> oh,
1: editing! <laughs> yes! Perfect! <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: meant, I meant Elvis. I also have Elvis okay, okay. for best editing. Uh, Elvis is, without a doubt, it, it is... I don't know if it's a movie with the best editing because that is Decision to Leave or Everything Everywhere All at Once in my opinion. But Elvis is without a doubt the movie with the most editing. Like mm. the amount of edits and weird cuts that that film has are absolutely insane. There's a point in the movie where I don't think a shot lasts for more than like one second. Like every second we're cutting to the next shot. It is insane. It is hectic. It is like this 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 huge, nauseous, like freaking drug-fueled trip yeah. but it, it's incredible I, I love the editing of Elvis and then my last nominee for best editing is you know it used to be nope but I think I'm gonna change it to the Batman <laughs> I think I'm gonna change it to the Batman <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Any objections with those five?
1: No, I like them. I like Elvis. I, I really agree with that. It's cool.
0: Hell yeah. Okay. So those are our five nominees for Best Film Editing. Everything, Every Roll at Once, Decision to Leave, Top Gun, Maverick, Elvis, and The Batman. Sorry, <laughs> nope. <laughs> A second ago, you were in the list. But I just, you know, I just keep thinking about Batman. <laughs> um, now, Best Cinematography. I'm not kidding, Lily. I think this is like, this was one of the hardest uh, categories for me. Oh, my God. It's, it's it's there's so many great ones. Okay. Just very quick. I'm going to mention some of the ones that didn't make my list. Babylon. I can't believe Babylon didn't make my list. I genuinely can't believe it. The cinematography of Babylon is incredible. You
1: can't believe that you didn't put it in your list? Yes.
0: I ca- I'm i shocked with myself. I'm so disappointed what in myself. What a turn of events. <laughs> yes. Okay. Then another one that I didn't include, The Northman. The cinematography of The Northman is absolutely incredible you have a beautiful long take of like vikings attacking a village it's amazing why is it not in my list i have no idea i hate myself (laughs) yeah number three after sun a beautiful subtle artistic poetic cinematography but once again not in my list number four avatar the way of water some of the most gorgeous visuals i've seen all year and still is not in my list decision to leave love the cinematography in the film and it's still not in my list EO, weird experimental colors. This is a movie about a donkey, Lily. What
1: is on your list? (laughs) Like, what even is going on here? And then also the
0: Fablemans is also one of my honorable mentions. Okay. Now, my five actual nominees for Best Cinematography. Number five, Top Gun Maverick. Without a shadow of a doubt, they literally invented new cameras just so that they would be able to fit six different cameras inside the cockpits. And the freaking... Actors, they were acting, they were flying the planes, and they were being their own DOPs, yeah. you know, c- operating the cameras while they were flying. Each airplane has, like, six cameras on the inside and 24 cameras on the outside. There were, like, 36 cameras shooting at the same time. And also, all of these other movies, very controlled lighting. You know, you can control the light. You're in a studio. You can turn on a light, turn it off. In Top Gun Maverick, the light is the sun. You are... <laughs> Tethered by the sun and the clouds, and they were still able to get some of the most breathtaking action scenes I've ever seen. That is Top beautiful. Gun Maverick, without a doubt, one of my five nominees for best cinematography. My
1: okay.
0: um, number two, All Quiet on the Western Front. It is just, it is just incredible. The cinematography of this film is genuinely incredible. I don't think you know. I, Common C. Common C. is another movie that comes to mind. But since Common C. I think this is the second movie that has been able to truly show war as like a thing that is simultaneously horrible and disgusting, but also kind of beautiful. There are some shots in the middle of the night where you just see bullets flying and you see the colors that they're emitting and it's, it's, it's beautiful, it's haunting, it's, it's incredible, it's breathtaking, it's jaw-dropping. I love the cinematography of All Quiet on the Western Front. Absolutely incredible. And the cinematography is also part of the reason why you feel so immersed in First World War because you're there with the soldiers. Number three, Blonde. The Marlon Monroe biopic, you know, Very controversial movie. Extremely controversial. But I do think the cinematography of Blonde is genuinely... It it is my second favorite cinematography. Uh, Well, not my... You'll see. You'll see. But it's it's one of my favorite cinematographies of the year. It It is just incredible. It is just absolutely incredible. If you don't believe me, sure, don't watch the movie if you don't want to. But just watch the trailer. Just watch the trailer for Blonde and you'll be blown away. Like, they change from black and white to color. They change from different sizes of screen they change from different angles it gets blurry it gets less blurry it, it's insane i love it i absolutely love it my number two well my number four my number four is the batman uh <laughs> dude the dop of the batman is none o- none other than greg frazier who did the cinematography for dune in 2021 and Dune has some of the most breathtaking cinematography of 2021. Um, you know, I knew I knew Lily wouldn't uh, really believe me when I mentioned the Batman for best cinematography, so I found this picture. You of, have a photo yeah, ready? Yeah, yeah, I have a photo ready of some absolutely breathtaking banger stills from the Batman that look like art. They genuinely look like pieces of art. What Greg Frazier did in the Batman is just. It's incredible like you really captured the Noir aesthetic and it's yeah. I, I love it I
1: mean I've looked at some the silhouettes Hell are yeah. cool and
0: incredible yeah and then my number one what I consider to be without a doubt the best cinematography of 2022 is Bardo false chronicles of a handful of truth. Uh, this is the newest film by director Guillermo, uh, no, no, not Guillermo, Alejandro, Alejandro González Iñárritu, uh, another great Mexican filmmaker, and the cinematography of Bardo is just, it's just bonkers, it's just insane, absolutely freaking incredible. Okay, that that's it for me. Lily, what about you?
1: <laughs> okay. Number five, I have Tar.
0: Ah, oh, yes.
1: Uh, no, even, did you even honorable mention that? I didn't that? even okay. honorable mention. Uh, the angles are cool. They are. You're in these, like, um, really interesting shape because in the places where they play the music i don't even know how to describe that place but the shape of them and the audience and then
0: i yes the shape of them and the audience i agree the northman oh yes
1: the fight scene at the end towards the end and then like when they're also trekking off to leave and these got these like extreme like long shots of them just like in these hills i was like oh my gosh like yeah that's i love i love that white noise (laughs) yeah yeah
0: i i knew it was coming
1: (laughs) best cinematography um just the colors the switch up of like it's so like fluorescent like lighting Mm -hmm. in some of them um i like when they're on the road and they're stopping at these kind of like camping out spots and it's just full of people and but it's focusing in on them and then you've got these like weird silhouettes there's that one where it's like all green kind of neon yeah but it's like just a silhouette of them i it was beautiful And then also just towards the end when it gets like super chaotic, we don't have to go into that, but like (laughs) when they're going into the motel and like the feeling of, okay, maybe this is like talking about production design again, but like, (laughs) I don't know, once they're in the motel and like a few of the shots and like these, the way they're capturing the angle of like this really creepy guy, like, and you're so uncomfortable because of like how they're getting so much in that shop. It's, it's gross anyway, but I love it. And then after Sun yes so yes. delicate and simple and just like yeah every shot is so beautiful and like it yeah, looks like a piece of art and then decision to leave
0: ah okay not a single overlap
1: <laughs> oh but the <laughs> mountains and like oh. the nature of okay, the landscape
0: see. we need we need uh
1: and then even when they're in the city and they're in these markets
0: Okay, let, let's okay. let's do something. Let's uh, we don't have a single overlap, so let's I'm
1: putting my top two in.
0: Let's <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's do, okay. I'll I'll start with my favorite. So our, our fa- like our, our number fun. our number ones go in. Like our number one's go yeah, in. Yeah. My number one is Bardo. False Chronicles of a handful of truth. I think that's the best cinematography of last year, so I'll push that one in. What about you, Lily? What, what what's your favorite?
1: My favorite is Decision to Leave.
0: Okay. So Bardo and Decision to Leave are in. okay now lily what's your number two
1: my number two is after sun right now but that like yeah
0: that is that is very fair after sun goes in and then my number two is the batman the batman goes in and okay now oh i i can't believe this like okay i kind
1: of want the northman
0: now now we need to fight for the final spot and it's in between tar the northman white noise or blonde all quiet on the western front or top maverick
1: Think about all I've done, t- done for you I think, yeah,
0: I think you're right. I is think what we got to... I mean, it's kind of going yes, through my head. Let's, let's, um, bring in, let's bring in the North. I end, want the right. North,
1: yeah.
0: I'm sorry, Top Gun Maverick fans. I'm sorry I let you guys down so much.
1: I mean, the story behind it is cool. Like, all the cameras and stuff.
0: You know what? Uh, no, okay, I need, I need to keep the Batman. I was about to flip-flop from the Batman to Top Gun Maverick, but no, 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 no. no. Okay, yeah, The Northman. Okay, so our five for best cinematography are Bardo, The Batman, The Northman, Son, and Decision to Leave. Now best original screenplay. Lily. Me?
1: Um, okay. Tar?
0: Yes, that's one that's in mine. That's an overlap. Okay. You're
1: talking about I remember like your little story of like how was this not real like when you come out of the, and I felt the exact same way. It was yeah. Okay, and then I've Broker?
0: Not on mine, but respected.
1: Okay. Then I have Triangle of Sadness.
0: Not on mine, but very much respected.
1: <laughs> Banshees.
0: It is on mine.
1: Okay. And then Everything Everywhere All at Once.
0: That one's also on mine. Okay. Okay. So we have three overlap. Uh, my top three are Everything Everywhere, The Banshees of Anisharion, and Tar. The other two that I have are Barbarian, which is a horror movie that I thought was absolutely incredible. And it really messed with, like, the the form. Like, yeah, with, with the form of horror movies mm-hmm. itself. Like, the movie completely changes into a completely different story halfway through. And I thought it was incredible. I loved it. It also manages to walk this fine balance in between being horror but also comedy. And it, it does it perfectly. Where, like, you never feel like the horrific moments are, like, undercut by the comedy. And you never feel like the comedic moments are undercut by the horror. I, I love it. And then my last nominee for Best uh, Original Screenplay is Argentina 1985. Which, once again it's an incredible courtroom drama i love courtroom dramas (laughs) this fucking sorry adam freaking dialogue in courtroom (laughs) dramas is amazing (laughs) so those are my five nominees but
1: so we're each i think we each pick
0: one yeah
1: i yeah i want triangle of sadness that is very fair i mean yeah it's not we've seen we're seeing some stuff like come up with similar stories like it's not super uncommon thing we're making fun of these types of things more and more lately but i i like the segments i like what he did with it it's it's unique
0: i completely agree and then uh in between barbarian and argentina 1985 i'm picking barbarian okay so our five for best original screenplay are everything every role at once the banshees of an tar barbarian and triangle of sadness now, best adapted screenplay. I will begin.
1: Girl, I did not know what to do for this. Girl, <laughs> you can go. Go. Take it away.
0: Um. Okay, so my last one, I think it's one you're going to agree with. My my, my, my first for best adapted screenplay is Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, for those of you who don't know, is adapted from three short films that came out in YouTube like in the early 2000s. And I thought the script, like, the way this movie adapted those three short YouTube videos and turned them into a feature-length, almost two-hour-long film is absolutely incredible. Like, when you watch those short films, like, you never think, like, oh, yeah, there is enough material for a two-hour movie. Like, no, that was my main concern. Coming to this movie, I was like, how the hell are they going to stretch this short three-minute cute sequences into a two-hour movie? And they freaking did. And I thought the script of Marcel was very subtle, was very understated, was very beautiful, was very poignant. It never, it, it never felt like, okay, like you've done this already, move on. Like it was always fresh. It was always innovative. I love that screenplay. So yeah, Marcel the with Shoes On is one of my five. Then my number four is The Batman. <laughs> Gen- <laughs> genuinely. No way. A perfect adaptation of the Batman comics. Like it's, it's an, it's, it does everything that an adaptation should do. It keeps what works in the comics and it makes something better. It innovates. It adds new stuff. It, it, it's amazing. It's such a g- freaking good script and it's such a good adaptation of the Batman comics. It's so faithful to what made that character special. I love the Batman script. Number three, glass onion and knives out mystery. <laughs> <laughs> now, to be fair, I like if, if, if I was the Academy, I would put this for original screenplay because I'm like, it's not adapted from anything. But according to the Academy rules, sequels okay. are counted as, as adapted, which mm. I, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. Glass Onion is, is it's an original story, but, you know, it has characters from the first movie, so apparently it's adapted. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think it's an incredibly clever whodunit with, like, some great twists and turns, some great red herrings. And, you know, once again, we've talked about this before, but I think the, mov- the script... It, it The movie itself is a glass onion. You know, it it, it makes you look at all of these different p- possibilities and all of these different dead ends, but you never realize that, you know, just like with a glass onion, the, the answer was always at the front of your face for the entire time. Okay. I love that script. Number two, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Like, it's it's such an incredible adaptation of the Pinocchio story. Like, the new stuff that Guillermo del Toro added, the stuff about fascism. Like, you know, the fact that in the, re- in the original Pinocchio story, Uh, Pinocchio goes to an island and turns into a donkey but here he goes into an island and turns into a fascist absolutely incredible (laughs) Um, adding all the stuff about death I I I love it, I I love what he did with the script and then my number one, my favorite adapted script from last year is She Said a movie that I'm very sad has gone under the radar and not enough people have seen it this is once again a movie telling the real life story about the reporters who broke the Harvey Weinstein story the story about all the horrible things that this guy did in Hollywood and it is such a good script that it it, it it never feels exploitative. It never feels dismissive. It's just a powerful script that really shows how big of a monster this guy was. So yeah, those are my five. What about you, Lily?
1: Okay, I didn't have this on until you said it, but Marcel Hell yeah. is now up. And simple script lines, but so cute, so love sweet. That. Next, Top Gun.
0: Oh, <laughs> Lily with the Top Gun love.
1: I think I, I watched like the original one after i watched this one (laughs) which was a mistake i probably (laughs) shouldn't have done that but um okay yeah so that's eh i'd actually put marcel ahead of that let's forget but it's it's still on the board um the batman and then pinocchio
0: wait the batman the batman and then i only have four pinocchio okay uh
1: i like what they did like um with death what you're saying adding just such like different aspects and i don't want glass onion though like that's like, okay. i don't want it in okay
0: so let's let's um so yeah uh, our three overlaps are pinocchio the batman marcel the shell with shoes on so there are two spots available i guess you pick one i pick one
1: don't pick the glass onion though.
0: I'll, I'll do what i do
1: no i, I
0: do what i want to do <laughs> okay you pick lily first
1: Okay, well, I only have one left.
0: So Top Gun, Top Gun. But okay, I'm do we do we don't... really want to nominate Top Gun Maverick for best adapted screenplay? Like... Okay,
1: but like, okay, what are your other ones besides Glass Onion?
0: She Said and Glass Onion. Hey, Glass. That's
1: all you have left.
0: Yeah, Gla- Glass, Glass Onion. Okay, hey, to be fair, there are some other great, amazing adapted scripts. The Northman is an adapted script from the story of uh, Amleth, the the, the Viking. Uh, the Whale is also an adapted script that I also think is freaking great. Uh, I just feel
1: like okay, maybe I went into the movie like. I just was expecting something different. Like I see like it's a glass onion and we're folding layers back. I think I was going in expecting to be like really shocked and surprised. But then when I like wasn't super like felt like so like I was taken on this twist. Uh I was just like, okay, like it was like layers peeling back and they started to like notice a couple things. But maybe I was expecting some like huge reveal and Uh I didn't have the momentum I was (laughs) hoping for.
0: Fair. I mean, you're not the only one. I know that Glass Onion is a very controversial film. That said, it did get nominated for best adapted screenplay at the Oscars. Okay. Um
1: do we trust them? Eh. I
0: for this I do. <laughs> for Glass Onion I do. But uh I mean, hey, if you want if you want us to go with Top Gun Maverick and she said that's fine by me. I just think that I I hey, I love Top Gun Maverick. It's a 10 out of 10, but I I don't think screenplay is like the the strongest thing Top Gun Maverick has to offer. But you know what? I know that Glass Onion is a sore topic, so that's fine by me. I'll you know, let's let's do that. I'll let's keep glass onion out. I'm I'm putting in she said. Lily's putting in Top Gun I Maverick. Need to
1: watch that still, okay. So
0: our five nominees for Best Adapted Screenplay are She Said, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, Top Gun Maverick, The Batman, and Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Now, Best Supporting Actress. Lily. You go first. Oh, I go first. Yeah. Okay. Um, first nominee: Lashana Lynch for The Woman King. <laughs> the Woman King is. Absolutely incredible, she killed it. Lashana Lynch, so freaking likable. Absolutely killed it. The physicality of her role, like their fighting scenes, but also her emotional scenes. Mwah, mwah, loved it. Uh second nominee, Hong Xiao for the whale. The whale is such a good movie. Of course, Brendan Fraser is the rising star. Like he is the shining star in the middle of the movie. But Hong Xiao's performance shouldn't be like it shouldn't go under the radar. She is just as important for the success of that film. Number 3, Jessie Buckley for Women Talking. I really liked what Jessie Buckley did and I thought her role was incredible. Number 2, Tang Wei for Decision to Leave. The 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 co-lead of Decision to Leave. I thought she was absolutely incredible. I think she killed it as a femme fatale. Like she she understood what she was doing. She was simultaneously seductive and loving and innocent but also very scary and mm-hmm. aggressive. And you never knew if you should trust her or not. Yeah. And her performance was just incredible.
1: Hard to read. Yeah. And
0: then my number one best supporting actress of the year, in my opinion, Stephanie Su, for everything, ever, all at once. Yeah, She played uh, the, the daughter, uh, Jo Bu Tupaki. Uh, I think that's such a hard role to pull off. Like, you know, you need to have like, like sad moments, emotional moments with her mother, but then you also need to be this intimidating villain, like cross-dimensional villain that is coming to kill you. Like, it's... It, such a hard role, she pulled it off. Absolutely loved her performance. What about you, Livy?
1: Okay, wait, so uh, can you recap what you did, please?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Lashana Lynch for The Woman King, Hong Chow for The Whale, Jesse Buckley for Women Talking, Tang Wei for Decision to Leave, and Stephanie Shu for Everything, Ever, All, Okay, at once.
1: I agree with Tang Wei, I think, 100%. Stephanie Su. Hell yeah. 100%. Hell yeah. I also wrote down, I don't really know, she, she didn't really even get like enough screen time, I feel... But I don't know what else they could have done. But I have Anya Taylor-Joy in...
0: In the menu? No. Not in the menu.
1: For the Northmen.
0: Ah, okay, 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 okay.
1: I think they could have done more with her, but I did have her down. I like her. Okay, I wouldn't put her in for the menu. I do not put the menu in for much, but... <laughs> 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 um, So those are my three. Okay,
0: um... Uh- with all due respect to Anya Taylor-Joy, I don't I don't think she did enough <laughs> to yeah. merit the best like, you know, she was like the, the girlfriend, the love interest. I, I
1: yeah, she had more. Like okay, I, yeah, I, I yeah.
0: don't remember like any like 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 deep like emotional like crying or like sentimental. Like she was she was just like the supporting girlfriend, I guess, but I you know, I see where you're coming from. I love Anya. I love Anya Taylor-Joy. Yeah. She's amazing. Uh but I I don't think her role in The Northman is good enough. So, do you have any other
1: I was also thinking of I don't know that actress's name, though, from Triangle of Sadness. She is the maid on the boat. Oh, yes. Dolly DeLeon.
0: Dolly DeLeon. I wouldn't mind that. I think
1: she that was a very powerful role. The way she switches that up.
0: Yeah, I agree. Okay, out of my five, which one would you take out for and replace for Dolly DeLeon? So Stephanie Hsu and Tang Wei are going in and then Jesse Buckley, Hung Chow and Lashana Lynch. Have you seen those movies? Like, is it fair for me to ask you this? or Yeah, have you, I, don't,
1: I don't think I've seen.
0: Okay. I, I would I would gladly kick out, Um, um. hey, I love you, Lashana Lynch, but I would kick out Lashana Lynch and replace her with Dolly De Leon okay. if, if you want that. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Is yeah, that yeah.
0: good? Yeah. Okay. So our five for supporting actress are Stephanie Shu for Everything Everywhere All At Once, Tang Wei for Decision to Leave, Jesse Buckley for Women Talking, Hong Chow for The Whale, and Dolly De Leon for Triangle of Sadness. Now best supporting actor, Lily. Do
1: we need to carry some over?
0: Carry some over? What do til you? Till
1: next week.
0: I uh okay, um I think we can go until like 45. <laughs> Jasper said so. Okay. 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 Let's um, let's try to
1: I have Brendan Gleeson.
0: Hell yes. For the Banshees of Sharon? Yeah. Uh-huh.
1: And then I don't know if I'm going to pronounce the name right for everything everywhere all at once. Ki Ki Hoi Kwan? Yeah.
0: Yes, hell yeah. Okay, yeah, uh, is, are those your two nominees yeah. or do you have more? Okay, yeah, both of those are in my list, so I guess we'll just go with my list. Uh, my list for Best Supporting Actor are, yeah, uh, Brendan Gleason for The Banshees of Anisharian, Ki Hoi Kwan for Everything, Every All At Once, Eddie Redmayne for The Good Nurse, you know, he played like this psychopath that once again you sh- you don't know if you should trust or not, like he appears to be this kind guy but he's actually like killing people. Uh, such a good performance I-, I loved Eddie Redmayne In that pa- in that role And guess what My final two nominees For Best Supporting Actor Are Lily
1: Oh gosh what? They're both
0: for the same film What Paul Dano For the Batman And Colin Farrell For the Batman <laughs> Paul Dano As the Riddler Is a force okay, to be yeah, reckoned with I
1: actually don't even Like yeah 100% yeah. I forgot about that And
0: Colin Farrell the As the Penguin thing I ever
1: saw In my entire life
0: Dude When Colin Farrell Was like Take it easy sweetheart It's <laughs> <laughs> so good So good loved it. Uh, okay, so those are our five nominees. Paul Dano, Colin Farrell, Bren- Brendan Gleeson, Ki Kwan, Kwan, and Eddie Redmayne. Best lead actress. Should I begin? Okay, I begin. Yes.
1: I I did. You can go. Uh,
0: my first one is Margot Robbie for Babylon. Just absolutely incredible. That scene where she's like crying over and over again, it just it just blew me away. Uh, number 2, Ana de Armas for Blonde. She she became Marlon Monroe. Once again, very controversial film, but she was Absolutely breathtaking. Number three, Mia Goth for Pearl generally one of the greatest performances of last year and it's a shame that the Oscars have like this weird bias against horror movies uh, because she she deserves it like she deserves to be there her performance is incredible she has like a 7 minute monologue where it's just her talking to the camera while she's breaking down and crying mm. the end credits of the film Lily is just her smiling looking at the camera and as time goes by Ew, her smile yeah. becomes more and more demented and deformed it, 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 she's insane I, I love you Mia Goth incredible um, number 2 Andrea Riceboro for To Leslie. You know, this is one of the surprises that it it, it ended up getting nominated for Best Actress in Oscar nominee morning. Uh, I, at first, I was a bit iffy. I was like, really? Like, you nominated her like, on top of other potential nominees? Yeah. But then I watched the film and she is genuinely incredible. She genuinely gives one of the best performances I've ever seen, I think. And then number one, Kate Blanchett for Tar. Just mwah, 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 incredible performance. Absolutely love it. What about you, Lily? All right,
1: I have Michelle Yeoh.
0: Yeah, that's one of the ones that it hurt me to not include. But
1: I have Margot Robbie. Hell yeah! So here we have our little overlap, and then Kate Blanchett,
2: Hell amazing.
1: Yes. It was incredible to see her in that role, and then Anna Darmus. Ah. And my number one. I thought she was amazing. Like, oh, I don't even know what the movie would be without her. <laughs> she was phenomenal. Who? Anna Darmus.
0: Oh, that's your number. Oh, I'm so yeah. surprised. Hell yeah, Lily. Okay, so Overlap, Kate Blanchett for Tar, Anna Adamas for Blonde, and Margot Robbie for Babylon. Now, there are two spots left. So, okay, I, I guess we'll bring in Michelle Yeoh, which mm-hmm. I completely agree. And then in between, I have to go with Mia Goth. I have to- <laughs> the thing is, okay... I think Andrea Riceboro's performance is absolutely incredible, but Mia Goth's performance is like unlike anything I've ever seen before. And it's also horror, and I'm tired of yeah. the Academy snubbing horror movies. So I'm like, fuck it. Mia Goth, you're going in. Um, Sad for Andrea Riceborough though. Uh, Now, best lead actor.
1: You can go first. Okay.
0: Uh, my first one, Brendan Fraser for The Whale. Absolutely incredible. One of the best performances I've seen all year. Second, Austin Butler for Elvis. He completely transformed himself into the king of rock and roll. Number three, Tom Cruise for Top... Motherfucking Maverick, okay. He learned how to fi- fly a fighting jet. Okay. He acted. He cried. He gave incredible speeches. He was inspirational while he was flying in the middle of the air, going like against like five Gs. Love him. Absolutely incredible. Number four, Colin Farrell for the Banshees of Inisherin, and number five, Nicolas Cage for the unbearable weight of massive talent, where Nicolas Cage plays himself. Okay. But not just one version of himself, but two versions of himself. And yeah, I I just thought his performance was very sincere. Like, it was great to see Nick Cage playing as, like, the way people view him, also the way he is, but also, like, this fictional version of Nick Cage that doesn't really exist. Loved it. What about you, Lily?
1: Um, most, okay, I have Austin Butler. Hell yes. I'm perfectly casting, and obviously he embodied it as well, took it on amazingly, and then we have Colin Farrell. Hell yes and then Paul Mescal. Uh,
0: yes. Yeah. You didn't want him? I wasn't between him and Nicolas Cage, but I I, I knew you were going to bring up Paul Mescal, that's why I brought up Nick Cage. <laughs> okay. Well, you're not you don't have Brendan Fraser for the whale?
1: I didn't watch it. Ah, okay. But from what I've seen, from what I've heard, I agree. But okay. yeah.
0: So, so those are your three nominees? Yeah. Okay. Um, you know what? I love you Nick Cage, but okay, let's boot off Nick Cage and let's bring in Paul Mescal yeah okay cool and then i'll we'll keep the other two so brendan Fraser yeah, is I agree in
1: with
0: that and tom motherfucking cruz is in okay <laughs> so our nominees for best actor are brendan Fraser for the whale austin butler for elvis tom cruise for top gun <laughs> maverick you go tom number four Colin farrell for the Banshees the Inisherin, and number five very well deserved paul Mescal. um now best director you want to begin, Lily, or should I begin?
1: I'll begin. Hell I have yeah. Charlotte Wells.
0: Oh, yeah, that's not in mind, but yeah, very well deserved.
1: And then I've got...
0: Charlotte the- Wells for what movie, Lily?
1: After Sun. Hell yeah. Um, One of my all-time favorites. Then The Daniels.
0: Yes, yes. For what movie, Lily?
1: Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Martin McDonough. Mm, yes. For The Banshees of Inisherin. And then I have in my number one. My order's all messed up anyway. But um, Ruben Austin. Yes, mm, yes, For yes, Triangle yes, of Sadness. Yes. I think, yeah, yeah.
0: Hell yeah. Okay, uh, of Sadness. So we have one overlap, <laughs> and that is the Daniels. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I agree with you. The Daniels are absolutely incredible. They are my number one. They are the ones I would pick. Like, how the hell do you make a movie so insane that is dealing with so many universes, so much... Like, that's incredible. It's such a well directed movie. Absolutely yeah. love what the Daniels did. Uh, my number two is Todd Fields for Tar. I thought that movie was incredibly well directed. The performances that he was able to bring out from Cate Blanchett and also the, the subtlety and the, the, yeah, the subtlety of that movie. It's, it's you know, you're in, in the hands of a master. Number three, which I'm impressed you didn't mention Damien Chazelle for Babylon. You know, that movie is such a chaotic cacophony of everything that I think you need a master like Damien Chazelle at the helm to just bring everything together into a comprehensive film. Uh, my number four, also kind of impressed you didn't bring him up, Park Chan-wook from Decision to Leave. You know, the cinematography is insane, the editing is insane, and yeah. all of that is insane because Park Chan-wook is insane. And he wrote this, and he mapped it out, and he planned it out, and he planned this insane freaking trip. Um, and then my number five. Joseph Kaczynski for Top Gun Maverick. What Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Top Gun Maverick didn't make itself, okay? <laughs> Someone made it, and yeah. it's Joseph Kaczynski.
1: Okay, so just didn't particularly stand <laughs> out that much. All of them needed the making, but okay. Yeah,
0: yeah. But, but okay. So, um, but, but you know, I, I love your picks. Um, Martin McDonough, I think, is the only one that I didn't include because I feel like you know, I, I love Banshees of Inisharian. I think the script is incredible. I think the acting is incredible, but the directing never, like, stood out to me. Like, I don't remember, like, specific, like, like I don't know, like, shots or, like, sequences or camera angles that I was like, oh, that's an inspired decision. It, it was, like, everything that, like, really impressed me of Banshees of Inisharian is mostly in the screenplay. Uh, that's one of the reasons why I didn't include him. But, yeah, all the other ones. Even, like, Robert... What
1: about Charlotte Wells?
0: I I love what Charlotte Wells did. So, I
1: really want that.
0: Let's, let's bring in Charlotte in, Wells. And
1: uh, I think it, it's a different pace and like it just yeah it's such yeah it's different and like it's delicate and like subtle directing and these little like chemistry building between the two and like creating that relationship is something so special and different than like a lot of the other ones are aggressive and you can tell like they did something amazing you're in the hands of a master like you said but this is something new and yeah a little simpler and it's her directorial
0: debut this is her first film yeah
1: that's that's insane
0: So okay, yeah. Let's bring in Charlotte Wells. Um, and do you want to bring in Ruben Osland?
1: Yeah, I can. I yeah, we can leave the Banshees if you're not particularly.
0: Oh uh, no! I mean, yeah, you pick. If if you would prefer the Banshees no, 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 over over w- Triangle, no, that's, that's fine. No, I would prefer
1: Triangle of Sadness.
0: Um. Okay. So now I need to pick two. Uh. So I need to pick two in between Todd Fields, Damien Chazelle, Park Chan Wook, and Joseph Kaczynski.
2: Uh
0: Okay. Um, I'm picking Park Chan Wook. Okay, you're going in. Yeah, and
1: I'm not upset by that.
0: I'm picking. Sorry, Maverick. I'm picking Todd Fields for Tar
1: nice <laughs> so, yeah. yes no, i like but, this uh, I'm, no i'm, I like I'm not this. i'm not happy <laughs> i like this i'm happy
0: uh so the daniels the daniels for everything ever todd fields for tar parkshan wolf for decision to leave charlotte wells for After aftersun and ruben osland for triangle sadness. Wells. now last category best picture um uh, you want to begin the leave or should i begin you can okay my, my my nominees for best picture are my top 10 of the year you know there's a reason why i I, I why well, they are my top 10 it's because those are the ones I like the most and those are the ones I think should be the best picture nominees number 10 Aftersun number 9 She Said number 8 Nope number 7 The Batman number 6 The Northman number 5 Top Gun Maverick number 4 The Banshees of Inisherin. number 3 Babylon number 2 Tar and number 1 Everything Everywhere All at Once we've talked enough about this film so I, I don't think I need to go into detail into any of them uh, but Lily what's, what's, your, what's your top 10?
1: I don't have a full list of top 10 because my top 10 favorites are not ones that Uh some of uh them just I wouldn't put as best picture. They're just right because I had some that warmed my heart and I loved the experience, but I'm not sure if they'd I'd put them in like worthy for best picture. So I've got, um, let's see, the Fablemans at the very bottom of Mm -hmm. my list.
0: Hell yeah, that's not in mind, but. Very worthy.
1: Um, decision to leave.
0: Not in mind, but very worthy.
1: Triangle of sadness. Hell yeah. The banshees of sharon
0: Okay, first overlap.
1: Babylon.
0: Second overlap.
1: Oh. <laughs> After sun.
0: Third overlap.
1: Everything, everywhere, all at once.
0: Fourth overlap.
1: Honorable mention, White Noise. <laughs> I don't think that's like making it <laughs> for Best Picture. No, I don't think you would even like let that slide. Um, I'm vetoing that if one. If <laughs> I did try to put it in my number one or anything. But yeah.
0: I mean, hey, if you feel that passionate about, tra- about White Noise, sure. We-, we can include White Noise if you're really that passionate about it. Um, I'll, you know, I'll write it down. Just
1: just I'm simple. passionate about it in many ways. I'm not sure if it has to be Best Picture, though. I'm willing to like.
0: Hell yeah. Okay, so we have four overlap. Everything Everywhere, Babylon, The Banshees of Anisharian, and After Now, that is four out of the ten spots. Um, I so had
1: Decision to Leave.
0: What... I don't have Decision to Leave, but I'll be happy to add Decision to Leave. Okay. So, Decision to Leave is going on the list. And now, I'll pick one for mine.
1: Okay.
0: And You bet your ass it's going to be Top Gun motherfucking Maverick, baby. Hell yeah.
1: Did you have the Batman on your list?
0: I do. I do have the Batman. Because
1: I would second that like
0: i would put that in thank you lily okay the batman is also going in um let's see out of your list um i i i i think triangle of sadness It, it really it has really struck a chord with people i i i'd be more than happy to add that one to the list okay okay so we have one two three four five six seven eight we're missing two um,
1: I don't freaking know.
0: So we're in between Tar, The Northman, Nope. Oh, Pinoc- Pinocchio, Marcel the Shell with Shoes on. Um. So Tar, The Northman, Nope. She said the Fablesman, Pinocchio, or Marcel the Shell with Shoes on.
1: I'd put Pinocchio. I'd
0: be more. I'd be so happy. <laughs> I'd be so. I, even though it's not in my top ten, I'd be so happy to put Pinocchio. Okay. So okay, Pinocchio is going in, and then there's one spot left. And I. I feel so bad for she said she said deserved better but um I have to go Tar like when I, I feel like Tar it has to be in it's just it's just a capital M masterpiece okay are you yeah. are you good with that yeah yeah okay hell yeah so our <laughs> 10 nominees for best picture are Pinocchio Triangle of Sadness Decision to Leave After Sun, The Batman Top Gun Maverick The Banshees of Inisherin Babylon Tar and everything ever all at once. Damn, okay. That That's a good freaking list. I'm very happy with that. I
1: think so. <laughs> I like it.
0: Hell yeah. So uh, this was an extremely long episode. I apologize <laughs> to our listeners for keeping you here for just so late. And I apologize <laughs> to Lily.
1: <laughs> um, No
0: because you have a class in 20 minutes it's
1: okay <laughs> I'll scoot over
0: um, but, <laughs> but yeah so that is that is gonna be it for this week's episode of The Real World once again next week we're gonna be back here we're gonna be uh, also, you, you guys can need vote. To vote. You vote. Yeah. You guys
1: need to vote. So now it's in your hands.
0: We've come up with the nominees, but yeah, now, now it's your responsibility. Now you have to go to FilmSock Instagram. It is not going to be there right now, but maybe look for it tomorrow. There's going to be a link to uh, Google Docs where you will be able to vote for all of these categories that Lily and I went through. And you guys can let us know who you think should win each of the categories. Then on Monday, when we do the next episode of The Real World, we will announce the winners. From what you guys voted, from what you guys decided, and then we will say, if we were voting, who would we have voted for? Yeah. Um, Yeah, I'm very happy with this episode, Lily.
1: If you disagree with anything, you think anything was left out, you can always send us mail. Please (laughs) do. (laughs) Um, But yeah.
0: Hell yeah. Uh, i'm happy with it you know a year from now i can't wait to be talking about cocaine bear for best picture that's gonna be fun cocaine bear and fast and furious 10
1: counting down the days so (laughs) that's the topic of the episode
0: (laughs) hell yes uh but okay now we will go into our final musical break but you know before we do i'll just say goodbye thank you all for tuning in what about you lily you want to say goodbye
1: goodbye i love being the academy this is very fun yes i I
0: you know what i think we should be the academy i
1: i think we should
0: uh hello adam Thank you so much for tuning in.
1: Thanks for tuning in. We
0: appreciate your support. <laughs> Tell Lily to rewatch Top Gun Maverick. She doesn't get it yet. She doesn't get it, Adam. I, I know you do. I know your taste in movies is great. So, you know, just make her rewatch it. Oh, just...
1: please. <laughs>
0: but, okay. Anyways, uh, musical break. Now we're listening Lift Me Up from Black Panther Wakanda Forever. This is by Rihanna, and it is also nominated for Best Song at the Oscars. Yes. I'll see you guys next week. Goodbye.
1: Bye.